You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Mill, the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to follow the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me later on this week to get in on the action. Locker Room is changing the way we talk about sports. Today's a special episode. NBA writer and reporter with Sports Illustrated and the better half of the Open Floor podcast, Mr. Michael Pina, is here to join me to talk about Bama DeBio and the Miami Heat. Michael, how are you doing? I'm doing good, David. How are you, man? Doing great. I just had Ben on the show last week, so it's great to be able to get both of you on the show uh, within such a close proximity of each other. But uh, we're recording this on a Friday, May 7th, the day the Heat take on the Timberwolves. So while this posts in uh, a few days, I just thought this provides some context in case the Heat absolutely fall apart or there's some injury that we don't discuss as we're talking about the Heat and their prognosis and their future in the playoffs and everything else. But I, I'm I'm here talking to Michael because he wrote a fantastic piece that you probably already read. And if you haven't by now, you're doing yourself a disservice called Bam Adebayo is the NBA's most underrated defender. So we're here to talk a little bit about Bam and his fantastic season. One that's, according to Adebayo himself, being overlooked. He just does not have a big name in this NBA. That's a quote from him recently about his defensive player of the year chances. Now, Michael, you didn't exactly say that he was the candidate or a candidate for defensive player of the year, but just rather that he is somebody that does a lot of the little things so particularly well in the defensive end. Where do you think he ranks amongst the candidates for defensive player of the year? Oh, what a great question. I mean, I guess like when I was trying to set out to write about Bam, I knew I wanted, I mean, I, I, I hope to just write about Bam like at least once a season for his entire career. I'll just say that at the top, he's one of my favorite players. I love everything about him. Um, but in doing this piece, you know, I hadn't, I just hadn't seen a lot of discussion in the defensive player of the year debate about him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Miami's defense has been really good all season. Bam plays basketball on that end different from everyone his size and everyone in his position in the league. And he's really effective and sort of like has come to personify the flexibility of that entire um, unit and how they, they try to get stops in all the different ways. So I guess like when I was trying to break it down, I was like trying to get an entry point into how to discuss Bam in a, um, you know, in, I guess, like an intriguing way. Right. And I can't just like come out and say, you know, Bam Adebayo is the defensive player of the year, even though I was tempted to do it multiple times because like Rudy Gobert's case is just like, it's really hard to say anyone else has been more positively impactful on the defensive end this season. And Utah's defense has been way up there all year. Um and the on-offs with with Gobert are just, you know, they're very, very impressive. So Gobert's case, uh, already a two-time winner of the award, was just like rock solid tight. But like at the time, you know, there was a debate between Gobert and Ben Simmons. And I was right. thinking to myself like, okay, well, Bam Adebayo is better than Ben Simmons. So what are we doing here? And so that kind of got the the started to get me to kick the can a little bit on on writing about banner at least the 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 ball was rolling down the hill in my brain <laughs> and the way i kind of decided to frame it was like you know 
even if Bam is not the defensive player of the year, if I could have one player in one game for my defense, it would be Bam Adebayo. Like he can just do everything. So the thing that we talk about with Gobert is basically, you know, he's not, he's not switching everything in the playoffs. He's a little bit more susceptible to pull up three point shooters, et cetera. Like the drop coverage is predictable, whatever. Bam is not like that. Bam can drop. Bam can switch. And he does switch basically every single screen. Um, Bam can blitz and recover. Bam can operate in a zone. Bam can pick up someone 94 feet. Like Bam can do everything is how I kind of look at him. Um, He's not perfect, but just from the purpose of like being able to just expand and flourish strategically, he's like the best um, and most intriguing and interesting defender to me. So that's kind of how I was trying to focus the piece and to answer your initial question, which I've been (laughs) filibustering on, like I would say that, you know, with a ballot, Gobert is probably going to be number one for me. And then there's really no one like, I can't think of anyone who would clearly be number two over Bam. Um, And so, yeah, I I would say he's second on a ballot, um, but deserving of the award in a lot of different ways. Do you have a ballot? I do not have a ballot this year now. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm curious. I just, you know, I, I can't even understand exactly what the criteria is anymore because I've I've mentioned this on, on, you know, on the podcast before. And when you look at doc rivers talking about Matisse Teibel and Ben Simmons, and maybe making a case for Joel Embiid, obviously as MVP, but also as defensive player of the year, it's like, well, you can't have three of them. So you kind of have to make up your mind, which one is the quote unquote defensive player of the year. So I don't, I mean, after years of covering the league, and I'm sure you feel the same way, I don't even know if I have any kind of clear understanding of what the criteria for this particular award is. And I, I'm curious what you might think it is, because you look at what BAM does, and certainly, I mean, we've, we're all aware, anybody listening to this podcast who has seen BAM regularly knows his incredible impact. And the fact that he's been able to do this as a rookie, he just didn't have that kind of playing opportunity, and they were playing a completely different style of defense when he was a backup to Hassan Whiteside. But by and large, he's been able to do this since day one of him entering the league, and he's only now starting to get some of that kind of recognition that I think he's been deserving of for some time. But I just don't know where he'll ever – I don't see a scenario in which he'll ever wind up winning this award, despite the fact that he's probably deserving of it, because the criteria, the narratives that go into – the award decision seems to change pretty regularly. And it's, is, is it the best offender on the best defense? Is it a singular player that impacts, you know, the opposing team's chances of scoring? I mean, is it just block shots or is it steals or is it a combination of both? Cause you've at bam stats defensively. They're not great. I mean, I, there are metrics that measure exactly how impactful he is, but he's not exactly swatting the shots at the rim like Obear, nor is he breaking up passes like Jimmy Butler or Ben Simmons. So it's hard to quantify exactly what makes Bam so great. No, I mean, like, honestly, we're veering into a, a territory where like the regular season, well, we're, I think we're already there, where the regular season, your impact in the regular season versus your impact in the postseason are two very separate things. And then right. additionally, your impact as a rim protector versus your impact as, uh, you know, someone who's more positionless. 
are, is two very, very different things. And so even comparing like Gobert's impact with uh, Ben Simmons' impact, it's like, you can't do it. It's impossible. Right. So, um, you know, I think everyone, every voter is going to have their own criteria or should. For me, I just value... Okay, you're really and I know it's a regular season award and um, you know, that can't be denied, but right. for me it's like okay, what do you bring to the table on that side of the ball that translates to games that really matter? What is your value to your defense? So on off, I really care about Bam ranking third in defensive real plus minus caught my eye. As I was writing the piece, um, there's a lot of really weird stuff on that list. So it's not like the gospel, but right. I do think it matters. Um, and how positionless are you? Uh, like the fact that Bam can, and I said this in the piece, like I have more confidence with Bam on LeBron as I do Bam on Dame Lillard, as I do Bam on Zion, as I do Bam on Giannis, as I do him you know any like anyone honestly yeah. like he can just switch all five positions i feel like that is so valuable and it's like you weigh that against what gobert does as someone who just completely isolates the opposing team from the restricted area which is huge right. it's huge but it's just like what bam does he just allows eric spolstra to play this you know they they blitz screens just like way more than anybody else. Like no one does this and the Heat do it. They right. they have Bam switch every single screen, basically. Like no big is doing that. So yeah. I just give credit to to the the uniqueness of him and his effectiveness. And it's just a pleasure to watch. Absolutely. I, I mean and yeah, it is uh, it was a great point that you brought up and, and you actually even mentioned like Nikola Jokic as other candidates. Like if, if Bam's on them, you still like your chances. Like you're not going to shut these players down because they're phenomenal scorers, each and every mm -hmm. one of them. But you like Bam's chances of being able to at least mitigate some of their effectiveness to be able to hinder them to some degree. And the fact that he can switch from one to five as well or better than anybody else in the league is, is truly phenomenal. But you did mention the blitzing of screens there. And you point out in your piece that Miami is certainly giving up a lot of three pointers. And I know heat fans are certainly concerned about that because it seems like almost every team has had a player have a season high or a career high in some cases of made three pointers against the Miami heat. And there's this random phenomenon. I'm not sure if you know this from, from heat fans, but or following the league for a while, but they always attribute a random scrub heat killer, a RSHK. You'll see that hashtag bouncing around <laughs> like Garrison Matthews of Washington has, has had like an all-star level career against Miami because he scored like 25 points per game against Miami in the last couple of seasons and so he, there's Miami just always tends to give up this one player who's going to have a phenomenal game against them and I guess it's part of that that part of the problem is when you have a center like Bam who can do so much and you you wind up blitzing those screens and everything else you do give up a lot of threes as a problem do you think do you think Miami can do something differently to not give up so many threes because I mean I, my tendency is that they're using the blitzing to make up for the the weaknesses of, you know, a Duncan Robinson or a Tyler Hero or a Goran Dragic or Kendrick Nunn, you know, their backcourt defensively not particularly good. So they have to do what they can to minimize and hide those weaknesses from the other players that share the floor with Jimmy Butler and Trevor Ariza and Bam Adebayo, who are all phenomenal defenders. 
Yeah, you know, it's, I mean, if you're going to deploy this strategy as aggressively and as often as they do, I mean, they, they do it a ton. I mean, I haven't watched every Heat game sure. that Dwayne Dedman has played, but <laughs> every, I mean, I, you, you, you flip to the Heat and, you know, he's 35 feet from the basket scrambling around. And I'm like, damn, I didn't know he could move like that. Like, honestly, <laughs> yeah, honestly, you know, I was thinking about, um, you know, this is a little random, but I was thinking the other day about LaMarcus Aldridge when he was bought out by the Spurs and, you know, looking around at different teams. And, I, you know, the heat always made so much sense to me. And I was very curious when he chose the Nets instead. And he said that one of the reasons why he chose the Nets was they let him be himself. That's what their pitch was like, you know, you'll start at center or whatever. And you'll get to play in the post offensively, you know, you'll do, you'll do things that are comfortable defensively and we'll just let you be you shoot mid range jumpers, whatever, shoot some threes. And I wonder if the heat are just like, yeah, if you come here, like uh, you're going to be blitzing every single screen, you're going to be <laughs> scram, like it's going to be real tough. Um, and I wonder, I just, you know, I'm making this up in my head, but I just wonder if that was a factor at all based on dead men, how they're using him, if that was the plan with someone like Aldridge. Um, but yeah, it doesn't, I mean, help, it doesn't help that Miami had a six game losing streak at the time he made his decision. Sure. Yeah, very good, good detail to bring up. Yes, David. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, if you're going to have that strategy, you're going to give up threes. It just reminds me of, you know, Jason Kidd as the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks a few years ago. And to they were burned pretty badly um, with how they played. And, you know, I think that the margin for error when you are blitzing and scrambling and recovering constantly and, and, you know, helping the helpers and all that um, at warp speed, uh, the margin for error is just, it's, it's minuscule. So um, not to mention what it does to your rebounding, like Bam's really good and, and can move around the floor pretty well. But like when you have your big way out there, and this is also with the switching, having yeah. your, your center way out on the perimeter, it's really hurt their rebounding. Um, so I don't know what the solution is necessarily if you're going to do this and you're just kind of, you got to live with it. Right. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's, I feel like, you know, in the regular season, it's, it's, very useful in the sense that when you play the Miami heat, you're playing something that you do not face against anybody else. So I think there is that shock factor that impacts offenses a, a good deal. I mean, they'll get their open threes and they'll, they'll knock them down, but generally how Miami defends with bam is so different than from how everybody else defends or a lot of other teams, a majority of the other defenses in the league. And I feel like that that is very disruptive in a way that no one else can claim and is another one of the reasons why I just I, I think that Bam is the most special defender in basketball. Well, we'll continue talking about the Miami Heat and their playoff chances here with Michael Pina of Sports Illustrated. You're listening to Locked on Heat. This episode is brought to you by Lockroom. Lockroom is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download. Once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, insiders in real time about your favorite team or your favorite sport. I'll be hosting rooms for Locked On Heat once a week. You can finally join me on the conversation that you listen to here every day. Locker Room is a perfect place to start or join conversations about the NBA. You find fans just like you in Locker Room for watch parties, debates, 
post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors, especially with the playoffs right around the corner. You'll have a chance to chat with me later on. Be sure to join me this week. Again, I'll be hosting a room later on. Go download the free Locker Room app, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. Follow me when uh, and to get notified when my room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. See you there. Locker Room is changing the way we talk about sports. Here with Michael Pina, Sports Illustrated. We're talking about Bama to Bio, the Miami Heat, and of course the upcoming playoff race. Well, we were just kind of talking about Bama to Bio's overall impact and everything else. And I'm kind of curious, you know, we saw Bam get somewhat lit up just recently in a game against the Dallas Mavericks, but that was because he was guarding Luka Doncic about 28 feet away from the rim, and Luka had it going. He was still uh, knocking down three pointers pretty regularly. But aside from those kind of you know, atypical performances. I'm curious as to why players even bother trying to challenge Bam. Like we've seen guys all around from like Lillard to LeBron to Steph Curry, even earlier in his career, just get shut down completely by a player like Bam. And just, I don't know, why do players even bother thinking that they have a chance of going up against? I know they have to at some point, but like you see a player like, and it all, sometimes it's not even like the big name players. It's like a guy just trying to prove themselves and saying, you know what, this is a matchup I can exploit. You see them work the ball where they can specifically try to get that, what they, a perceived mismatch against Bama Adebayo. And I'm wondering, have you never seen him? Have you not seen over the last couple of years? Because you know this is going to end up in failure. And, of course, invariably it does. But I don't understand the mentality there. Do you have any kind of clue as to why an opposing player might say, yeah, this is a matchup I can totally exploit? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, watching film of all of the uh, ISO matchups that that Bam has had on switches this year, you know, when it's a star, when it's Kyrie, when it's Devin Booker, it's like those guys, you know, they're isolated against a big. They're paid to break the big down. So right. if, if you punt on that matchup, chances are you're off. I mean, first of all, the Heat have succeeded because uh, they switched Bam onto you and Bam essentially neutralized the number one scoring option on the team at that time. So the Heat kind of win if they do that, which kind of just speaks to how great Bam is because if you pass away from the matchup, the Heat win. And if you attack Bam, the Heat win usually. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's very tough. But I like, like Devin Booker is not going to back away from that matchup and pass out of it too many times. That's just not his mentality. But to your point about, you know, lesser players – I was watching the um, the Hornets, the, a recent win that Miami had against the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. And there was a play earlier in that game where Bam switched out onto Terry Rozier. And you, I was anticipating Terry Rozier, you know, going one-on-one um, right. against Bam. So he, like, backed out. And then, you know, there's, like, 15 on the shot clock or something, and LaMelo Ball comes over to set a screen to screen Bam off of the matchup. And so I was like, this is kind of incredible that the Charlotte Hornets are recognizing after they already got a switch that they thought was the switch they wanted. They saw it was bam and they tried to get another switch and they eventually (laughs) did. And the heat eventually forced a turnover on the possession. But like that just feeds into what Miami wants to do. The whole point of switching is to induce ISO basketball, one on one basketball, and also 
to drag the shot clock as low as it can possibly be where effective field goal percentages tend to drop statistically. So uh, I thought that that was really fascinating because he just killed the whole possession. Like the clock was just ticking, ticking, ticking. And before you know it, Terry Rozier is going one-on-one against like Trevor Ariza or something, um, which is a little bit better for them. But at the same time, there's like four on the shot clock. He's not going to get a good shot up. It's incredible watching him play. Uh, We've been so fortunate. And look, he, he gets criticized pretty routinely. I, I don't know how often you are able to monitor like how fans respond to him, but in that Mavericks loss, he fans were pretty upset at the, the, the fact that Bam was not overly aggressive on the offensive end, which continues to be something that dogs him to some, some degree, because he's just, he, he's just not a, he doesn't look to score first uh, and, and often. And, and so that's a concern because he's so gifted as a playmaker, but now you see these other aspects of his game and you see just enough scoring potential from him where you want him to take another level in that development. And uh, he's just, I think he's still navigating those waters. I, I made this case recently. Like he's one, he's only 23 and he's still learning so much. And this is only his second season as a starter. We already tend to overlook these things. You know, lost in the, the conversation about Nikola Jokic and whether or not he's the worst MVP of the last 40 years or whatever is the fact that he's still only 26 and still a pretty damn good player at this point in his career. And he's and well deserving also of the MVP award. But Bam at 23 already has a very, very good career under his belt and he's only going to continue to get better. So Heat fans need to calm down a little bit. But uh, you also wrote a piece in late March called Don't Look Now, but Miami's the team no one will want to face in the playoffs. And uh <laughs> <laughs> why, why are you laughing? Because I'm curious about your reaction to that. I'm laughing because, you know, I wrote that. I have not read it in a long time, but I recall being very excited. Oh, that was right, right after the trade deadline, I want to say. Yeah. And they just got Oladipo. And I'm, you know, I'm looking at the lineups that they'll be able to play and just the different looks they'll be able to throw. And I thought, I don't think Aldridge had technically signed no, with yet. the Nets at that time but i I anticipated that being a possibility too so i was just like oh man they're gonna they have a lot of talent a lot of different options a lot of a lot of versatility and then like oladipo gets hurt immediately um dragic has just been you know in and out i guess they've been banged up throughout the whole roster variety of stuff and i still have faith i think in the miami heat like i still believe that if i was one of the top three seeds that's that's just not the first round matchup that i want at all um because of jimmy because of bam but they i think their ceiling is a little lower now than it was in my head when i wrote that piece no that's fair uh and i i obviously i think the biggest part of that would be the absence of victor ladipo and i i think there's growing concern among heat fans that he will not be available at any point in time and and i've made the case even when the injury first happened that just from his own perspective I don't know that there's a benefit for him to return. Like it's a it's a potential lose lose scenario for him if he comes back and he re aggravates the injury. Then any chances at it even he's going to get a smaller payday than what he had originally anticipated. But if he aggravates the injury every, even further and has, is forced to miss even more amount of time uh, potentially next season, then. I, I can't see any team throwing any kind of sizable contract his way. So, in fact, his career may be over if he winds up re-aggravating an injury or, or suffering another one. So I, I didn't see that there's any chance of him coming back. And, and I think everybody's still holding out hope that he's going to make some kind of a comeback and, and return for this franchise. But 
I don't see it either. Um, so I, I think that's a big part of why they were so dangerous. And and I think, yeah, you and I had texted back and forth about it after you wrote that piece because, yes, the, the addition of Oladipo really made this team dangerous. And, in fact, yes, they went on a, a winning streak right after you wrote that piece too, and, and Oladipo looked great. He was just starting to come into his own as a defender, and, and you could really see him thriving in Miami's system. In fact, the last game that he wound up playing, he wound up having his best scoring game with the Miami Heat, and then, of course, just – never winds up suiting again uh, suiting up again so i'm just not sure what to make of this team but i think we saw a recent report from uh, bleacher report saying that execs around the league are most concerned about miami in the play-in tournament i've made the case before that so long as you've got jimmy butler like you said your chances are pretty good going up against any team uh, I, you don't win the talent disparity but you still have a pretty good squad and as long as jimmy's capable of performing the way he did in the NBA finals and having that the kind of individually great games that we saw from him in last year's playoffs. That's enough. You're, you might have a chance of knocking off a Brooklyn or a Philadelphia or a Milwaukee. Do you still agree with that kind of perspective that you, when you wrote about this in late March? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it would not stun me if Miami beat any of those three teams. It just, it really wouldn't like, this is not a normal seven seed eight seed wherever they they end up they might end up higher than that six seed um it's just not normal like and you know this team went to the nba finals last year there's a couple pieces on on uh you know that roster that are no longer around that were very helpful um but like they're not you know the charlotte hornets are right now the eight seed i believe like that's an eight seed like you know what i mean like that's that's the typical eight seed like they're they're young they're have very little playoff experience they would get probably swept in the first round if they went up against the sixers or the nets i i do not feel that miami is even close in the same ballpark in a seven game series as a team like the hornets um and so i mean they i think the bucks are a little bit different than last year for sure um with drew holiday who's been terrific um but like they beat the bucks last year um the nets can't be get healthy and um uh and i think philly also is just kind of like i don't think i think philly is i i might be on an island here but i feel like they're one of the more fraudulent um top seeds agreed recent memory and i have like i don't think miami would fear that at all not a chance Um, like danny green's like you're only like player with legitimate playoff experience on that roster right i mean he's not going to be the guy who swings the series in philadelphia's fair uh and if you can still get into joel and Pete's head or you can kind of force uh ben simmons out of his comfort zone that, that's it that's miami and in a, in a, right there they have control over a series with philadelphia i think pretty easily yeah so uh and you know i could go on and on about why I, i'm not high on philly but it just seems to me the way that they've kind of carried themselves all season and this is the weirdest season of all time sure. for a variety of reasons which is why i think that what we see in the playoffs won't look anything like what we saw during the regular season but like you know a lot of lobbying for individual awards like yeah. I, I just that teams that do that typically don't win the championship is how <laughs> i put it um, yeah. i don't think their focus is in the right place that's a good point uh well we'll wrap up our conversation with michael pina of sports illustrated here on locked on heat 
Let me tell you a little bit about rockauto.com. They're a family-owned business that's been around for 20 years, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can go to a store. You can try and get a part for your car or truck. They're just going to look it up on their computer, and maybe they'll have the tr- the part available in store. Maybe they have to get it delivered. Either way, you can save all that time and effort and save money by, just by going to rockauto.com, going under their easy-to-use website. You'll find the parts. You'll have lots of different parts and options to choose from. You pick the one that's best for you, save a little bit of money, and get it delivered directly and safely to your door. Their low prices are the same for everybody. So if you go to auto, rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, then go to the section that says, how'd you hear about us? Write the phrase locked on so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. That's rockauto.com. And with the money you save at rockauto.com, you can go and make a little extra money with Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. There are tons of sports action to the start of the WNBA season, the NBA playoffs right around the corner, the NHL, and much, much more. So head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And don't forget to use the promo code Locked On. All the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with a Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. I'm here with Michael Pina of Sports Illustrated. We're talking about the Miami Heat. And of course, the play-in tournament is now looming large over everything. And there's also a pretty key matchup. We're recording this again on Friday, May 7th. But there is a two-game series against your Boston Celtics uh, that are uh, that could define a lot of what happens over the next couple of weeks for Miami and the playing tournament and everything else. What What are your thoughts about that series moving forward? Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been a very uh, up and down season for the Celtics. I I, I put them in a similar boat as Miami in the sense that I don't think that they're a typical six or seven or eight seed. For sure. Yeah. Um, They're not probably not going to have home court in the first round of the playoffs, but I don't think they'll enter any series with fear. Uh, Jason Tatum dropped 60 the other day. He's just incredible. Probably going to make an all NBA team. He's pretty good. He's He's pretty good. good. Yeah. Um, uh, You know, uh, I could go through the roster. They have, they have really good players. Uh, they have a lot of talented players. Um, I think that health is absolutely critical, of course, as it is for every team, but especially yeah. the Celtics, given just uh, kind of the obstacles that they faced in that regard throughout the season, which I think is a contributing factor, a huge contributing factor factor to um, their inconsistency and their record. Um, but I mean, that series, that that two game little you know, baseball series is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I feel like both teams will treat it like a, the playoffs. Hopefully I would, I, I think, you know, making the playing the play in is not what either of those organizations had in mind. And I think they'll do everything in their power to avoid it. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching those games. Is there anybody out of the Celtics lineup right now? I haven't watched them in a, in a while, but is there anybody that they're currently missing that is a, an impact player? 
Um, you know, by the time anyone listens to this, I'll, I'll probably be wrong. Um, but I think that uh, Jalen is questionable. Um, right. Don't quote me on that, even though this is a podcast. Um, he's been banged up ever since he collided with Jason Tatum yeah. um, towards the end of a, a, a loss against the Trailblazers, I believe, which was really cool and just a personification of the season <laughs> in a lot of ways, that moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think I, I hope that everyone else is uh, full board to go. Yeah, and it should be interesting and certainly yeah, defining of both those teams. And I, I, I think pretty realistically, we could expect like a split because both teams will take it so seriously. But so they're both kind of counting on New York to slip out of the fourth seat where they currently are. And I think that's a pretty good chance of that, considering that they're in the midst of their West, West Coast road trip and they're going to be tack- tackling both Phoenix and the two L.A. teams. So that's a they've got a t- tougher road ahead, I think, than either Miami or Boston. But it should be interesting. Um, what, what do you think is the biggest difference, not just personnel that you've kind of hinted at, but, you know, as far as this team and what we saw from the, the heat last year in the bubble? Well, I feel like Bam has a lot more responsibility defensively. Um, Obviously he's playing well, the bubble. Yeah. He, you know, spent a lot of last regular season, not playing at the five, right. Um, Played at the five in the bubble for sure. But uh, you know, personnel wise, I think that a lot of people like to talk about Jay Crowder and, you know, they entered the season with Avery Bradley and uh, Mo Harkless and, you know, trying to replace that type of production there. It didn't work out at all. Um, and I think that the other big difference is this has not been a great season for Tyler Hero. Yep. Um, Tyler Hero is the reason, one of the reasons that the Heat went to the finals in the Tyler Hero game in the conference finals. Um, it doesn't seem like that is on the horizon. Maybe it is. He's extremely talented, so I could see an explosion in the playoffs, but it's just been a tough sophomore slump for him basically the whole way. And Dragic, who's still really fun to watch and still really good when he plays, just hasn't been as consistent because of his health, I feel. Yeah. Um, so those would be like the bigger differences between this team and the, and the last one, I would say. Yeah, I, I think those two are the biggest X factors for Miami. Like Deadman, I don't even know if he's going to have the same kind of role that he's currently enjoying with Miami. But I think if you look at Miami's chances against any of those top three teams that we talked about, or any team really, you're going to need more from Dragic. And it's been good to see him kind of rounding into form and bouncing back from the injury that he had sustained at the end of last season. As for Hero, I still kind of tend to believe like you do that because he's so he's always come up big in the clutch that he'll find a way to to kind of get into that scoring groove but hopefully other teams will not find a way to exploit him defensively just like they have all season long but uh, last question before i let you go kelly olenic 20 million dollars a year next season what's your thoughts on that is that a report (laughs) (laughs) um it's not i just he's been phenomenal and obviously with your celtics ties i thought maybe you might have some thoughts on kelly o and his trade from the heat no, yeah. Um, I got love for Kelly Olynyk, of course. Um, Who doesn't? Yeah, he's well, awesome. Well, he was actually he was not loved by Heat fans while he was here, but then the second he has a thirty point game with the Rockets, it's like, what? What the fuck have we done? What? Why did we trade away <laughs> the best player that we've ever had in, in Kelly Olynyk? Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I love Kelly. The game seven against the Washington Wizards holds a special place in my heart from <laughs> like four or five years ago. I'll never forget it. Uh, but 
yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, the, the, the free agency crop is very thin and big men who can shoot, big men who can move their feet. And he's actually become a pretty solid team defender. Um, there's value there. So it'll be pretty interesting to see kind of the money that he gets. I think, I think good team should have their eyes on him. Absolutely. Well, Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the podcast. If you like, you can share with my listeners where they should follow you. And if you have anything that you'd like to promote. Sure. So uh, Twitter uh, at Michael V. Pina. Um, you can follow me there. Uh, go to uh, si.com, Sports Illustrated. That's where all of my work is. And I co-host the Open Floor podcast with uh, my good friend Ben Golliver twice a week. So subscribe to that. Excellent. All right. Thank you so much again for taking the time. And just a reminder to all of you that you can reach me via email at lockdownheat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show and leave a review. Special thanks to all of our sponsors for supporting today's show. And thanks to all of you. I'm David Ramil signing off for now.